talking. Hey, sis. Hey, welcome back. Welcome, welcome back. Another week of You Good Sis. I'm Kayla. I'm Alexia. And we here. We are here. <laughs> Sitting in a different spot of the living room than usual. So, you know, switching things up for you all. It's a little more cash. You know, keeping it, keeping it uh, sporadic. Is that the word I want? Change it up. That's a change up. Yeah. It is a change up. I'll take that. Okay. I wanted a more fiery word, but you know, my brain's not really working. So. I like sporadic because I spent a lot of time with my produce today and a lot of love, put a lot of love into my spuds. Aww. So spores for some reason made me think spuds yeah. and then sporadic. You know how your brain just connects. I see the journey. You know what I mean? I see the journey. I was like, that sounds like a fresh word. Yeah. Sporadic. Spores. <laughs> I should eat a vegetable today. I should eat today. I, it is, it is late late and i have not eaten a damn thing you want some salad no i'm good i warmed up what i cooked yesterday you can I cooked have it anyways yesterday. nuts oh damn i anyway. forgot um are you good <laughs> <laughs> i am i'm i am like literally in this moment i am good it has been a really rough um couple weeks just battling my my brain you know i've been so I don't want to say sad. It's more of an empty feeling. Yeah. And while I've been feeling that emptiness, my like self-care, which you know how I feel about the term self-care, but my actual self-care, the things that I do and like habits I've worked in to take care of myself are regressing rapidly. I'm starting to lose all these like disciplines that I've put in place for myself. Mm-hmm. And um and it's been really scary, honestly. Like, yeah. it's just been like, wow, I'm really turning into um, human garbage. And and for that reason, I've had to cut back on the other things that, like, you know, usually are, are like, rewards to me. Being yeah. on Instagram and being frivolous with that shit is, like, a reward to me. Smoking weed's, like, a reward to me. But now I have to, like, really scale back and be like, you have to work on caring for yourself first. Yeah. Before you can be there for others, before you can blah, blah, blah. So... Um, in this moment, like I had therapy last night today, I kind of like worked through, um, how, just like how I want to move forward from here and get back on track. And so I feel a bit fresher. Good. Which is nice. Like your produce. Like my produce. Yes. We spent so much. I spent like four hours in the kitchen today, just figuring out what my meals are going to look like. Cause Mm -hmm. it's really come down to that. Um, I took a healthy healthy appointment at the uh gyno today healthy appointment yes. that sounds weird we love the who check oh yeah we love the who check and i love it's a weird thing uh but a great transition for later yeah. i love when they check my breasts for lumps yeah just because i'm like thank god because i never feel like i'm doing it accurately or like what if i miss something i'm no freaking dumb right i'm trying to look at those little charts on instagram and i'm like i don't even know yeah this i'm like right. i'm no doctor right. you know so she was doing it and she did it thoroughly and I was like, ah, oh, thank God. Rest also, assured. like, at a time where no one's touching us, it's nice. <laughs> it was almost a massage. <laughs> <laughs> Refreshing. How are you? I, it's been, it's been a time. It's been a rough last couple of days. Um, which is part of the reason why this episode is going to be a little bit different, but we'll talk about that later. It is. Um, it's, yeah, it, it hasn't been good. I've been trying to... Like you're talking about ways to to check in and adjust and stuff like that. I've been, I've been in the last couple of, couple of weeks trying to go for runs and see if that's something my body likes and responds to well. My knees aren't all that great, so I was nervous. 
Um, and I have a history of asthma, so I was doubly nervous. Mm-hmm. But I've been trying it, especially in the last couple of days, and that, that's been going well. I'm scared to know what my brain would have been doing had I not gotten that exercise. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Because I do, like, a little cardio moment and some ab work in my room before the run. So, yeah. Um, end up by the water. That's nice. But it's it's not... It's not the week for me. It's really not. I really, um, it's rough, especially in in the pandemic, because there are times where you like need need to be around your family, but everything about getting there is even more complicated if you are able to go. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, now if I get there, I still can't be around people. Right. So that's gonna suck. So that being said, I'm gonna try to figure that out in the next couple of days, so I won't have as much time to edit this so we're gonna do something a little different hop right into who all gonna be there who all gonna be there who all gonna be there so oh. <laughs> <laughs> i just remembered who all's gonna be here and i got excited because she's special she's great um speaking of she literally posted on instagram today go get your brush checked and i was like girl i just got it done yes. <laughs> um so our guest for this week is going to be oracel Beheran. Uh, she is a good friend of ours via my work with the Susan G. Komen Foundation, the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. And because it is October and Breast Cancer Month. The best month of the year. <laughs> I mean, it's a great month for so many reasons. Yeah. Uh, main one sitting here in front of me. But it is also Breast Cancer Month. And we have a special interview with Oracel. Uh, that we actually got to record, or we were asked to record yeah. for the Komen Foundation and their virtual race this year. So we have been so excited to bring this out to all of our sisters. You yeah. is that our name? Or everyone? Is that our name? No, no that is not sisters. Y'all, y'all, <laughs> folks with an <laughs> X. Um, it has never been it's sisters, not... unless you spell it with a C Y S T. Then you get soju. Oh, soju. <laughs> but yeah, um, enjoy this interview with Oracel Beharan or Ori. Hey, y'all. Hey, girl. Hi. Welcome. So we obviously have to start off by asking you, you good, sis? What's going on? I mean, I'm good, sis. I mean, I keep telling me I'm good, sis. So we're going we're gonna to roll with I'm good, sis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just manifest that yeah yeah we're gonna bring yeah, that to light yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm gonna burn some sage after this but i'm still good sis mm-hmm. <laughs> Look, we'll join you in that and going sure. to be better <laughs> speak on it so yeah right off the top we just want to ask like how did you get involved with the common foundation Okay, so my, um, I got diagnosed when I was 31, and I actually beat it at a, a week before my birthday. So I, I spent six months battling, six, seven months battling my breast cancer. Um, and then I just, you know, part of me wanted to just kind of put it in the back of my head. Um, and then I remember the follow, a couple of months later, I was talking to my uh, head physician, and she's been involved with Komen for years. So she was like, hey, listen, they're having this annual luncheon. I think that I would love if you would be my, my plus one, my guest. I'll put you in contact with everyone at Komen. So I was in California for my cousin's wedding. I sent out an email and someone from Komen got back to me right away. And they were like, oh, my God, yes, of course, that like, we would love to have you. 
Um, and the luncheon was like a week later. So I was actually really late in getting to the luncheon or like trying to RSVP. Um, but when I got there, I met Linda. I, I met so many of the other ladies. And ever since that first luncheon, that was a very last minute impromptu, impromptu luncheon for me, um, I've been in the organization and I've been um, definitely, um, I mean, I have the gift of gal, but can I say they always call on me to do these interviews and all this fun stuff. So pick the, pick the non-shy one, I suppose. So yeah, so ever since then, it was 2019 and we're, we keep rolling. Wow. Now, when we first got to hear some of your story, we were sitting in on the Sisters for the Cure brunch, mm -hmm. specifically for black women involved with uh, Susan G. Komen. When did you first start working with that particular group? When did you first start um, being involved with Sisters for the Cure and attending their events? So uh, I went to my first Sisters for the Cure brunch last year. They had reached out to me or I, I, someone from Coleman reached out to me and said, hey, listen, would you like to you know, be part of this luncheon? It's for the community. We, we hold it. They were holding it in Harlem last year. And it's in this beautiful, it was in this beautiful church. And they're like, you know, show up. We would love to have you. So I was a little apprehensive at first because you think brunch. And like for me and my friends, I'm like, oh, my God, it's brunch. I got to like jazz it up, right? But then you're like, oh, my God, but it's a breast cancer brunch. Like how jazzy do I get, right? So it's like it's a little bit weird, right? But I got there and it was lovely. Um, and, you know, you get there and this is beautiful space and it's this beautiful church. And you see all of these women who are dressed to the nine, right? Um, and they had all of these like fascinators for us and everything. And I just remember feeling like it was such a, it was such a sister circle. And I don't know if maybe that's not the proper term, but that's kind of what it felt like. You know, I, I got there, everyone from the beginning um, treated me like family. You know, you get there and you don't know anyone, but be, by the end of, you know, the, the brunch, you're exchanging IGs and Instagrams and Facebooks and phone numbers. And it's absolutely lovely. So I went last year for the first time. Um, and that's when I met Rachel, Rachel Ferguson. Um, and it's been absolutely wonderful. So Sisters for the Cure really, really switched it up for me. Yeah, I, I think it, honestly, I, I've been involved with Coleman for the last two years and it kind of changed up the game for me as well. Like I didn't know that we had the sisters brunch until we attended one via Zoom this year from yeah. our home. Yeah. You know, which was so wild. And we got introduced to uh, this whole like black community of Coleman, which was such a beautiful thing to see because I'd gone through this whole last year and a half or so and hadn't even known that we had such um, a community in, in the Coleman Foundation. It was so beautiful to see. And then from there, we found you. And you were just radiant. <laughs> and like you said, we knew we had to jazz it up. So we, like, it was Zoom this year because of the pandemic. So we ordered brunch in from a Black-owned business in Harlem. And we got dressed at home, didn't wear shoes, and just had brunch on the couch. Yeah, but we definitely, we wrote down your name because that gift of gab is powerful. I'm telling you. And imagine if I had a little mimosa in me. Oh, girl. <laughs> oh, girl. girl. Okay, we can get lit. <laughs> okay. That's what I'm saying. I feel like it would have been so better in person. So much better. For sure. Um, something that's been talked about so much recently is how dismissive people in a medical profession have been to black people, black women. And that's been something that's personally weighed really heavy on my mind and is very scary. So we are wondering if you had any 
um, opportunities to talk with your family members about like how to prepare you for your experience when you were dealing with breast cancer. We're just so curious what kind of information they passed along to you. And you can obviously delve more into your family's history with it for the people who don't know you. Of course. Uh, my mom is a breast cancer survivor. She actually got diagnosed when she was 44. So when they told her that um, her daughter had to start getting tested 10, 10 years before her, I technically really should have been starting to get tested this year. But I got diagnosed at 31. So I was really out of the spectrum. And honestly, had I not found my lump, it probably would have killed me because, you know, the Lord has blessed me up top, right? And I probably wouldn't have been able to find my tumor if it hadn't been right over my heart. So um, I think that going into it, already knowing that my mom is a complete rock star and had already fought her own battle definitely helped. But I do agree with you when I tell you that there is um, a very, I think, um, a very detrimental facade with the idea of the strong Black woman. And I think that it, it's been there way before we were born, our mothers were born, our grandmothers were born. Um, I mean, I'm Dominican, but I still self-identify as a Black woman because, you know, we are, we are that lovely melting pot in the Caribbean. Um, and I'm sure that when I walk into, you know, a, a hospital or a medical center, I'm pretty sure that a lot of the staff looks at me like I am a woman of color because that's what I am. Um, I think that in our households, we are taught that we are strong. So that allows us to not feel like we have to go get a checkup or go see a doctor or question whether or not we have pain or something doesn't feel right. Uh, we have to take care of our elders or our children or our husbands or our homes. And sometimes we get pushed to, you know, the back of that, um, of that list. So, so for me, um, I know that self-advocacy was my number one priority. I knew something wasn't right. Um, I knew that I wasn't feeling the way I'm supposed to feel. And I was like, I'm going to go talk to somebody. And I didn't care whose door I was going to have to knock on. I don't know whose ear I was going to have to chew off. I didn't, I didn't care what I was going to do. Someone was going to listen to me because I'm not okay. Um, and I think that I am still very progressive when it comes to things like that because I still have friends of mine that are like, oh, my God, if I would have felt something, I would have never gone to the doctor. You know, I only go to the doctor if I'm basically dying. And I'm like, well, let me know where to send your flowers because if you don't go, you know, we're not being proactive about this. I, you know, I, I'm just going to be saying these words at your funeral. So it's, you know, we joke about it all the time, but it's very, it's, it's a necessity for us to put ourselves, you know, first and foremost, before we take care of others, particularly when it comes to our health. Yeah. So on the note of self-advocacy, what words of advice uh, would you put into the spirits of other black women who are, you know, more apprehensive or nervous or uh, not trusting of medical care for re reasonable reasons? <laughs> um, but like as someone who has found that voice and used that voice on her journey to healing, what would you say to black women who aren't in that place yet? So it's funny. My friends always say to me, Ori, when I don't know what to say, I use my Ori voice. And I'm like, what, what's your Ori voice? Like, I, I have a lot of questions here, right? So my, 
it is a blessing and a curse. My friends are always like, no, because you know, you're like loud and you say what you want to say and you have no filter. It's not that. I promise it's not that. I promise I know how to behave in public. <laughs> but it's one of those things where um, I've come to take it as a term of endearment when they say I've used my Ori voice. If you are genuinely scared, and I understand that fear is something so big in our, in our families and especially in our upbringing. I recommend that you find someone who you love, who you admire, who you think is strong and channel that person and just use that person's voice into doing or saying whatever it is that you need to do for you. For mm. my friends, they know me. I'm quirky. I'm loud. I'm like, I have no filter. Fine. They use me. If you don't know me, that's fine. Use, I don't know, Octavia Spencer. Use Carrie Washington. Use whoever you want channel that person and you go in there and you rock it because it's hard listen i get it it's hard you don't have answers people don't believe you people think you're, you're overreacting people think that you should be strong people don't validate your emotions if you feel something is wrong with you your emotions are valid your feelings are valid and you are entitled to proper care so if you can't find that voice within you cool find someone's voice who you feel that you can channel and still get that message out there i i commend your ability to speak up for yourself and spread that kind of message. I mean, it's, it's so important. It definitely is. I mean, like I said, it's very scary. And I think that personally as women, I think whether you're black or white or Asian or whatever it is, I think society in general always makes us feel like we are so otherworldly and we're so strong and we keep families together and we do all of this. And then I started thinking to myself, I'm like, you get on a plane, the first thing they tell you is that in case of an emergency, when those oxygen masks come down, like you have to put on your mask before you help somebody else. That's the first thing that they tell you. And I'm like, this is really something that we should apply to our everyday lives. If you're not okay, you cannot take care of anyone else. So you really have to make yourself a priority in order for you to continue being strong or healthy or whatever it is. Without health, we have nothing. So. Yeah. As far as taking care of yourself, um, that's a huge phrase we use on You Good Sis. I think nearly every week, just self care, self care, self care. <laughs> we sound like a Twitter timeline, but it's real <laughs> and important. And we always want to find new ways to take care of ourselves. Um, I'm curious, after you were diagnosed with breast cancer, while you were working through healing did you find any new ways to practice self-care did you lean on things that you were used to that became even more important to you like how did you take care of yourself outside of just the medical care yes yes so the first day i got diagnosed i remember i was on my way to work and i called my boss and of course me being the strong one my boss was like oh do you want to come in today and i was like oh yeah i got it like i'm okay this is fine I'll deal with it tomorrow, right? And then I remember I got on the train and I was like, I am not okay. This is not fine. I can't deal with this tomorrow, right? So I remember I called my two best friends who ended up meeting with me. And I, I didn't cry because even crying now for me, you know, I, I'm, I hate saying it because I hate the term strong because I feel like strong could be so many things. But I was like really trying to keep it together for them instead of for me. So even in the middle of me being like, your, your boobies are trying to kill you. I'm like, no, I have to be the strong one here, which is absolutely ridiculous. And I hate that, you know, as women, we always have to have that, you know, that heart of gold, that spine of steel. I hate that about us. And we always have to keep up that front. 
Um, what I will say is that it was a tough conversation to have with them. Um, after nine glasses of wine, I was fine. Clearly. Yeah. Approximately. Right. Right. <laughs> um, every, I had six rounds of chemo in three months, and every round of chemo came with different challenges. The first one was like a really bad migraine that lasted three days, and I could barely like think, eat, breathe, sleep. I couldn't do anything. Um, one round of chemo, I had like acne that just took over all of my face. Um, after every acne, it was like, you can't go to the bathroom for three days. And then it's like Moses parts the Red Sea and you have diarrhea for a week. It's like, if there's so many things about cancer that people just don't tell you. And yeah. you think it's like the Hollywood standard of like, you're losing weight, you're losing your hair. I wish I would have lost weight. I gained 40 pounds during chemo. I wish I would have lost the weight instead of gained it. Um, I lost my taste buds. I love to eat. I live to eat. I pick vacation spots based on food. I could not taste anything for six months, except ice cream. Okay. Okay. That's a thing to keep. We can take that. I'll tell you, so I never had a sweet tooth, but because ice cream was the only thing that I could really taste for like six months, you know what I mean? Six-year-old Ori was thriving. She was like ice cream for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I was like spearheading out of cancer, but then spearheading into diabetes because they were right. all, all the time. It was awful. But you, you know, that, those were big things for me. So when people say, is there anything that you did differently? I don't feel like I did anything differently. I just learned to leave the, leave the guilt of being indulgent. I wanted ice cream for breakfast. I had ice cream for breakfast. You know why? Because I was kicking cancer's butt. If I wanted to go outside and have a long walk because I had slept in the day before because I couldn't get out of bed, I did that. If I wanted to, you know, occasionally have a beer because I wanted to feel the fizzies, I did that. And I feel like sometimes people forget that you don't always have to have, like, this extremely resilient facade the whole time. Sometimes you just want to freaking cry because you're, you're, you're fighting a tough battle and that's okay. So I think that with cancer, that whole um, taking care of yourself, that whole self-care, it definitely takes a very different, <laughs> it's a very different approach, but I just kind of feel like if you're making it through the day and your head is above water, maybe do whatever makes you feel happy that day. And that's okay. Without right. guilt. <laughs> no no guilt. guilt. No guilt. You're living life by just simply living. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we, um, I, it's so funny how even outside of your breast cancer diagnosis, like it just sometimes takes a trauma to make you go, all of that, the worrying about what weight I am, the worrying about, you know, simple things get put on the back burner and you go, if I'm just making it through, big pat on the back. Mm -hmm. And I, like, it's, that's an important thing to have even, you know, just just to apply to your life in general, to apply to all of our lives, it's something I'm learning now with the trauma of pandemic and others. But you know, it's just it's be, being easier on yourself is really, really important. <laughs> really, the emphasis. Forget the ice cream. The ice cream is always going to make you feel. The ice cream. Were there particular flavors that you leaned on, or? I mean, listen, I'm going to be very honest with you. I was the restaurant manager at the time, and my guys were all about that ice cream sundae type of, you know, because there's levels to it, right? There's levels. Oh, yeah. 
and you know they 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 were just making sure that I was ice cream sundayed up. Okay. What a blessing. Okay, wait. Okay. So I'm gonna delve into this. Build your ice cream sundae for me. <laughs> so it was like it was like two scoops of vanilla, one scoop of chocolate, right? And then they would add <clears throat> they would add a little chocolate drizzle, a little a raspberry drizzle. Then they would chop up like two strawberries, right? And they would put a cherry on top. And then they would have like we had this dessert that had like caramelized like nuts of some sort. They would put it all up there. And it was great because I would be doing paperwork in the office or something and I would I would order one and then they would give it to me and it would look all pretty and then I would take the spoon and just mush everything up. <laughs> <laughs> so they would spend like 10 minutes making this perfection for me and then I was like, eh, we're just going to no, Sunday soup. <laughs> just, just an ice cream Sunday soup. Yeah, it was what it was. I mean, did it, yeah, yeah. Whatever makes you did happy. did the job. Yeah, truly. <laughs> Um, it's so funny that you brought up that black women are revered as these like people who have to be so strong because that's something we definitely wanted to elaborate on with you. Um, what is your your gut reaction to that? I always tell people, check on your strong friend. Like, I always tell people, check on your strong friend. Your strong friend is probably the one who needs it the most. Because yeah. at that point, you have been riding that wave for so long that you are just exhausted. And exhaustion in itself is so detrimental to your health, to your mental health, to your physical health, to your everything. So it's like, yes, you have that one friend that's weak, but I'm like, you know that friend is weak. Like, you know that friend has been going through it and coasting and, you know, people, she's had, he or she has had resources for a while. But that strong friend, that strong friend, that strong friend is one, you know, mistrained leaving for work as she's already laid away from having that mental breakdown that you don't know about and that's a big one yeah so please tell my friends check on your strong friends um because they're the ones who need it the most i hate society puts such like society just implements this this superman like type of strength on on humans particularly women, particularly women of color, um, because it, it's not fair. I have problems the same way you have problems. I mean, I can be as empathetic as I can when I don't understand how your problems are, but the fact that you expect me to just get it because of my denomination, because of my demographic, because of my background, because I'm a woman. I mean, having a vagina is exhausting. Yeah. yeah. Hmm freaking exhausting y'all a lot yeah, totally. so um i'm definitely against that i have like i said small nieces i'm teaching them that it's okay not to have to be strong all the time um that that's what we have you know friends and family and a support system for um and i tell my friends all the time listen i was a manager at a restaurant where my staff were having mental breakdowns i'm like you don't have to do this right now yeah don't you don't always have to fake the fun. I'm like, go in the bathroom, come back 10 minutes and work it out. Like, yeah. I, and then you start asking your, your people, you good, sis? Are yeah. you good, sis? <laughs> okay. Any social questions. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think, I think um, strength is uh, perceptive. Um, you could be crying and letting it all out and still be extremely strong. Sometimes just venting it, getting it out of your system, 
you know, crying for 10 minutes, putting on some Tupac and going on with your day. That's strength. And people sometimes forget that. Like, you need to be vulnerable to be able to be able to get your strength back. And sometimes people forget that. And I'm like, you know, it, you have to do whatever you have to do to get you through the day. Totally. Yeah. Totally. That's beautiful. Yeah. We, um, it's so funny when I started, again, when I started working with Coleman, I just hadn't heard many facts about breast cancer and black women until sisters. And I, I grew up with, my grandmother passed from breast cancer when I was a kid. And so I, it's, it's always been on my radar. And so I, I guess I want to now talk about a little of like what Coleman has done for you, what this community has done for you. What has it been like to be a part of this for the time that you have? So the first brunch that I went to um, last year was kind of mind blowing because you see all of these people and it wasn't just women, like there were men there, um, younger people, older people, there were all these people there who genuinely just wanted to get the word out, let everyone know what Coleman was offering, everything from mammograms to, you know, community activities to obviously the, the race for the cure. A lot of things that I didn't know about, and I mean, don't get me wrong, it's lovely to be able to walk into Cipriani and see this lovely setup and have a lovely brunch, but then, you know, you get really down to the, the meat and potatoes of it all, and you see the um, accomplishments that so many of the guest speakers have done, the community activism, the ability to reach out to, you know, lesser demographics who may not be aware that, you know, breast cancer is as detrimental to their communities as they may think, and that really changed it up for me to see people who genuinely cared, who wanted to make sure that you knew that they had, you know, the, the ambulatory buses, that they get to do the, the mammograms in, in the neighborhoods and they don't, they don't charge you anything. Those things are really are a really big deal. I know so many women who won't go to the doctor, like I said, until they're like, oh, I have to be missing a limb. And I'm like, well, why do you have to be missing a limb for you to go to the doctor? Like, it's a lot. And yeah. I feel like we often forget that, um, preemptive care is really what saves lives. You know, so many women go to the doctor when uh, now it, it has to be a much more invasive procedure or um, at that point it's, you know, it, it's done. You're at, the, you're at the finish line. There's nothing they can do for you. And I feel like I was very blessed and I was very fortunate that I was able to find my breast cancer very early on and that saved me. So I feel that if... Coleman continues with their trajectory of being able to get out there, let communities know what they're doing, which is a lot. Um, let people know where these vans are going to be for women to get, you know, lower resources to be able to get, um, you know, mammograms and, and checkups that they will continue saving lives. And that's really what I've learned through, you know, my two year adventure with Coleman. Yeah, I had a fun question in mind that actually relates to that because Coleman has done such a brilliant job at keeping that community connected during the pandemic. Like we said, the Sisters for the Cure brunch was held on Zoom. They're uh, switching the race to virtual, doing a lot of online fundraising right now. So we know that as far as the Coleman community, you know, that activity is, is secure and still happening and still there to tap into. Um, but what activities has the pandemic kind of kept from you that you can't wait to get back to when there's like a more expansive new normal? Like as soon as we can go out and really commune, commune, what are some things you would like to do? 
so first and foremost, I'm a hugger. Like I'm a hugger. Like me I too. And my friends are like, oh, okay. And I'm like, you guys, I'm Dominican. Like we give you a hug as soon as you walk into my house. Like I've never had any friend come over when my mom was like, oh my god, nice to meet you. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot. So now being able to like hug my friends and see people on the street and want to be like, oh my god, I want to see you in six months. That that's taken a toll on me. Like I am a people person, and it's very hard not being able to really embrace someone you haven't seen in a while. Um, I know that's not necessarily an activity, but it's an activity for me. Okay, <laughs> it's an activity. Yeah, for me. I mean the extroverts are taking a hard hit <laughs> during this time. Yeah, seriously, seriously, and I'm a big smiler, and I'm like, there's only so much like. I smiling I can do under my face mask. You know, that's hard. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we'll have to remember to arrange that whenever when things are more open, we can do this in person and get our hugs. Yeah. Oh, I'm gonna have like a hugging booth, and it'll be yeah, it'll be perfect. I I genuinely I just miss doing things like going to the movies. You know, I I miss movies. I miss indoor dining. It's like you have to wait so long to be seated at a restaurant now because they're limited in capacity outside. Um, a couple of weeks ago, I went to a restaurant. We were sitting outside, and it was like when New York had that typhoon, and then I like got stuck in the rain. It was, it's a lot, y'all. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. So what are you doing this year in place? Now that we have a virtual Race for the Cure, uh, the journey to 30, how are you going to be celebrating during that time? How are you going to do your race? <laughs> I'm going to be tuning in, of course. I've already got my mom in there. Um, I've got myself in there. I'll do the, a lot of wackiness during the pandemic. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to set up a team or anything like that, but I will be there um, online and in spirit. Yeah. Um, I really hoping corona will go away soon so we can do this again in, in person next year please lord please <laughs> um, <laughs> i'm take anything please, please. Please. Um, please but yeah no i just i can't wait to be able to see the looks on people even even via zoom it's like you know when someone is just so happy to be in the middle of their journey or, or happy about starting their journey and, and looking towards the finish line or someone who just finished getting their last radiation, their last chemo, things like that. Yeah. It's just, it, it's such a lovely thing to see. And it makes your heart swell with pride because I mean, I personally am a cancer survivor, but um, so I can relate to it in a very different level. But I feel like even if I wasn't a cancer survivor um, personally, seeing so many of the women that I love overcome such a disease and thrive afterwards. It's like, you mm -hmm. can't help it, but be so proud of these people. Yeah. Um, particularly my mom, you know, it, it, it's a big thing for us. So this year we definitely, we're going to be tuning in. We're going to be donning our pink shirts, our pink ribbons. Uh, we're going to have to buy some type of pink specialty drink. I don't know. We're going to, we're going to yeah. make something happen. We're yeah, we're talking about a pink drink. There's a pink drink in the works. We have to, yeah, no. You, I mean, you send me your recipe, I'll send you my recipe. We'll make it work. 
Okay, cool. Sounds great. Sounds great. So lastly, I just want to ask about now that you are a thriver, congratulations. We're going to ask one more wellness question. What does wellness look like for you now? Now that you have this whole experience that you went through and you've you've learned how to use your powerful Ori voice and you've learned how to take care of yourself and be easier on yourself, what do things look like for you now? Wellness to me looks like joy. And I know that's a very broad term, but I think that once you beat cancer, um, you get this superhuman ability to weed out the BS. You know, um, you start looking at things from a different perspective. It's like if you're unhappy at work, how do I tweak this? Do I leave this job? How do I, you know, work joy into this? Um, you start appreciating moments not things although things are very nice don't get me wrong particularly shiny things you know <laughs> but it, i just think that um you start prioritizing yourself um you start realizing that wellness means uh health without health we have nothing you could be the most famous the richest the whatever most person in the world um if you're you know sick and strict bed bedridden there's not a lot of joy there so i think that uh cancer has um put life into perspective for me and i'm thankful that i went through it at 31 and maybe not at 61 where i would have had a maybe a different outlook or demeanor about it um i appreciate the idea of wellness um not just in a physical state but in a mental state if you are not happy in some in any aspect of your life i think wellness is um it, it man makes you feel like it's mandatory for you to find ways to be happy and that's really all it is yeah Ugh. speak it Ori. oh my gosh i'm gonna drink after this y'all <laughs> yes us too <laughs> But thank you, thank you so, so much. It was so great to be able to, well, hear your voice again, but speak with you yes. while you do it. But yeah, you have um, such a light about how you share your story and how you walk through it with other people and, and shed encouragement as well in sharing it. So we really appreciate you We're so stopping grateful. by you, good sis, to share that. Yeah. I will say one last thing. My grandmother, I think it, Again, it comes down to our, our um, backgrounds and the people we love. My grandmother has always said one thing to me, and I've never forgotten it, ever since I was little. She said, everything in life has a remedy except death. And whenever I'm going through anything, I remember that. I'm like, listen, we all got to go sometime. Fine. But while I'm here, whatever I'm going through, it can't outbeat death. Like, everything has a remedy. Everything has a solution. You'll figure it out. Some are a little bit more difficult than others, but that's the only thing without remedy. So every time I'm going through like something really tough, particularly during cancer, I always thought about that. I'm like, this is what I got. Like, I'm going to figure it out. And you yeah. figure it out. Yeah. And you yeah. Right. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Thank you for having me, you guys. We'll see you and hug you sooner <laughs> rather than later. Hopefully. <laughs> Boys, ladies, I expect those hugs. Double the hugs. I you got it. You got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, girl. Bye. Bye. 
In summary, we need you all to wear your masks and stay distant so we can go outside and have ice cream with Ori when this is over. <laughs> That's pretty much <laughs> story there are so many things to take from the interview but on a personal level that's what i'm gunning for <laughs> right <laughs> love that love that for us yes i do too let's go full out let's go full out straight for it um i have one full out but two little pit stops on the way there oh. one blue ivy carter did miss tina's makeup as grandma skeleton that little girl is talented do the talents ever end? The answer is no. Is that true? Was it like really good though? For a seven year old. Yeah. Is she seven or eight now? But like for a child. Oh yeah. It was good. Ooh. It was good. Okay, go on. Okay. This is your full out. Yeah, I'm, exci- <laughs> I'm excited about that. Um, oh, dang it. I had one more that, that, that came to my mind and then I skipped over. Oh, listen. Okay, so the Clark Sisters... First Ladies of Gospel movie on Lifetime. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I watched, I've watched it multiple times. I was listening to the soundtrack regularly. I have some of those tracks along with like original Clark Sisters tracks, but also the ones the actors sang on like one of my morning playlists. And then they took it down. They took the soundtrack from the movie down so that it could remaster some things and add some things. I want to complain that it's still not back and I need it. It's mm-hmm. been months that's not my full out. My full out is for Letitia fucking Lewis on Lovecraft Country because she's one of my favorite characters I've seen in a very long time. This she's is a great. Journey Smollett stand account. And she pissed me off this week. I'm not going to spoil anything if you all watch Lovecraft and haven't watched it yet. But we know, we've said this from the very first episode, that one delightful thing about when conflict arose in the first episode, is she didn't do no fake running. Letty didn't do no fake running. She was booking. She booked her ass out of that diner. She booked her ass through them wood. She was running like Flo Joe. Mm-hmm. She did not do that this week. She did it once. She did it once. And I was like, oh, there she go again. Booking. She had the form, arms up, booking, booking, booking. End of the episode. Hippolyta needs her, okay? Hippolyta's trying. Hippolyta's. Hippolyta's extending herself so much, her hair is turning blue like some blue raspberry Jolly Ranchers, okay? And Journey, not Journey, this is Letty's problem. <laughs> Letty is strolling down the street. My timeline was like, any other time, this girl want to be booking. She want to be at the Olympics every other, every right. other episode. But you got my girl. It's Speaking awesome. of Clark sisters. It's <laughs> It's Hippolyta, but my girl Anjanu is they got they got her as an actress with some little foam at the mouth. She's foaming at the mouth, and Letty is walking. Wow, walking. Wow. I'm not gonna tell you how the episode ends. I Please just don't, because I that, will catch up. That that came up and ooh that ooh that didn't make no. I mean I get it because like the drama and also story wise that moment where mm-hmm. she was walking connects with other things like it makes sense but it also doesn't make sense sis you know we have to go right. why are you walking <sighs> anyway Letitia fucking Lewis we still love her and that's my full out wow wow I can't even say I love Letitia anymore because I'm so behind but I can't wait to catch up. Still dressed, still with that red lip, still with a smart mouth. We love it. If anyone on set knows what they're doing, it's the costumers, and that's been proven. 
It's just been proven. For my full out, they're going to be super quick. I, um, I'm going to go full out about a very broad category, I guess. I was going to say I'm going to go full out about a TV show. And then it spanned into like, no, I had a really great weekend. And it was for the same theme. And then yeah. I was like, no, it's going to be a larger theme. Okay. I'm going to go full out about fall Halloween season. I am so... I didn't... I, the peace that fall Halloween season has brought me is unlike something that like I, I've ever really understood before. I knew I kind of liked being in this, living in this season, but something about going the extra step and like doing the things. I, I was lucky to go away this weekend and and celebrate my friend's uh, marriage. And it was a very, very small, just me another friend, and the two people who got married. Yeah, two note, these are the same people you've been with this whole quarantine. <laughs> it just happened that two of them had to move in the quarantine, so you'll just move the pot there for the weekend. And move to, like, Autumn Central. Like, yeah. it just, the drive down there was nothing but yellow, red, orange, green trees. It was so beautiful. The sky at one point on the drive like split into like four different colors at once. It was the wildest thing. I got to go apple picking for the first time in my life, which I've been dying to do. And I came home with my own pumpkin. You know, it was like the full freaking thing. We went to like little yard sales and shit like that. It was the full thing. And then coming home while I've tried to like recalibrate my own schedule and my own self-care, um, I've just been binging on Halloween material, mm -hmm. you know, and it's been the best. So that brings me to, oh, and right in front of my TV is my little pumpkin I brought home. Aww. But that brings me to The Haunting of Bly Manor. I am not finished. Okay. I just started it last night. I told Lexi earlier, I, I, I pre-gamed pre myself into the Halloween scaries with Hubie Halloween, the Adam Sandler Halloween movie on Netflix. <laughs> And that was cute. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling spooky. I can move further into this like spookier territory. Because the first one, the original one, Haunting at Hill House was terrifying. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I didn't watch it alone. I watched it very late, like up top of this year or something, which was pretty late. And I had a friend watch the whole thing with me in like a, a day, a night. Um, and so I, I was brave to put this on and watch it on my own. But it's like so much less scary freaky you know gonna mess with you in your sleep scary and yeah. it's more of a eerie the house has ghosts but there are stories and the stories are tragic and they're beautiful and the acting in these two series together haunting of hill house and blind manor they're they're same mostly the same cast mm -hmm. definitely the same team but not the same storyline. Okay. It's very American Horror Story in that way. And so the the acting that they, the I guess more the versatility in these actors is just mind-blowing. I really do appreciate good acting in a scary forum. Yeah. And it's like, I'm not even finished with the damn show. And it is just good. It's really hitting a spot that I need right now. But this morning when I was taking a break from the show, I watched a um, Halloween baking contest show. Really? <laughs> I, I want to. I want it. Send I'm it to me. I'm gonna send it to you. It's on Hulu, and I think it's literally called like Halloween Baking Championship. And it was because you know, I've, so delightful. Fridays now have brought me joy because there's a new season of Great British Baking Show, which I need to get into. But Fridays are they releasing them weekly? Mm, yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, I, I think they did that, that for last cycle and this cycle. 
Oh, okay. Anyway, it's so yeah, good. Yeah, I gotta get into it. They're that. so nice to each other. It's because they're not competing for money. <laughs> That's right. Just a plate. That's but like uh, so UK. Good. Yeah, it's, it's UK. the UK. They just like, when money's not involved, they're just also, I'm sure, nicer than Americans that want to be on reality TV. It's so but. true. But yeah, so all the Halloween feels and all the autumn feels are definitely what I'm going full out about this week. And then as a side note, my little pit stop uh, full out is going to be a song. That song is going to be Sunny by Boney M. I don't know if they're a group. I don't know if that's a person. I don't know if it came out in the 70s. I don't know if it came out in the 90s. I will just tell you that I found this song. I put it on a 70s playlist because that's a very 70s vibe. And it is the song that I play on repeat from night to morning and cry and have a cathartic release. And it is the most happy, bubbly damn song on the planet. I feel like I've done a full out about it before. But um, I just keep going through these waves where I really need it. Yeah. And there's this woman who's singing uh, lead vocal on it. And she, it's, it's the verse changes. It's the song is the same every time, but the verses just change the words a little bit. And it's something about the word. It's poetry. Something about the wording. It's such a happy song, but it makes me just cry tears. Because yeah. I'm like, this is who I feel like on the inside. And the world feels very not like that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's my spirit song right now. Speaking of poetry... The poem they used at the end of this week's episode of Lovecraft, because mm-hmm. uh, you know normally they'll bring in text from you know outside of that yes. world and embed it in it. They used a uh, Sonia Sanchez poem, "Where's Your Fire," and the way it was placed, the way it was read, and then they turned it into a requiem, like it was then operatic. Whoa! And there was like a oh, it was so good. <laughs> It was so good. I watched this episode. I watched this episode twice in a matter, like, in, like, 10 hours. Like, really? I watched it at night, and I woke up, and I watched it again. Because, yeah, anyway. It's a really I got to catch up. You know that subtitles episode messed me up. Because <laughs> I was too tired when I was trying to watch that. So, yeah. now I will I will catch up, now that I've caught up on rest. And is that all of our full out? I think that's it. We could keep going, but that's going to have to be it. Yes. Oh, wait, what? No, I was going to say, we have... We had a special episode. All the episodes are special. But we had a special episode this week. And we have a special episode next week. But I think we're going to keep it in. To ourselves? Yeah. Okay. I kind of love that. About what it is. We do. It's we have another out. another special episode next week. Because um, it's a special October. It's a special mm-hmm. month. So uh, tune in for that. And otherwise... Follow us on Instagram at YouGoodSisPod. Follow us on Twitter at YouGoodSisPod. Email us at YouGoodSisPod at gmail.com. Um, um, I think that's it. I will try my very best to not say my Venmo on here over and over all month so people can send me money for my birthday. Okay, listen. I won't do it. I won't do it. <laughs> I won't do it. But if the people want to give, let me know. <laughs> send that to the email, YouGoodSisPod at gmail.com. Yep. Otherwise, thank you so much for making it to the end of the interview. It really means a lot to us. And see you next week. See you next week.